So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, and this, the second Sunday of Lent. It's the 13th of March. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the podcast again today, Shannon Brose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Thanks a lot, Shane, for joining me. And we also want to welcome those of our listeners who are joining us from various parts of the world, especially those who are lonely and struggling in some way today. And our listeners, of course, who, who support us each each week in prayer. Thank you so much indeed for that. Just a reminder again, this podcast uh, contains interviews on chat and faith topics, inspirational music, and of course we reflect on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.buzzpread.com. Previous ones, going back historically, going back for over 13 years, at our blog, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And also on Spotify, iTunes, and of course on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. You can contact us if you wish by texting 87 Outside of Ireland, 00353-87-6088-667. Or come and see inspirations at gmail.com. And as usual at this part of the uh, podcast, Shane shares some saints for the week. And what do you have for us this week, Shane? So, uh, as John said, it's the second week of Lent, and of course, during the Lenten season, the saints in the church's calendar take a slight back seat, but we do just remember them on a date basis. So, this week, the 14th of March, is the feast day of St. Boniface Curriton. Uh, he's a Scottish saint associated with the Ross in, in Scotland, and introduced the Roman liturgy, observances, and monastic discipline into the region and founded many, many, sorry, founded many churches in the north part of, of Scotland. Uh, he died in 660 AD. Tuesday the 15th is the feast of Blessed Anthony of, Mila, of Milan, a Franciscan saint. I'm not sure just how much I'd be promoting this man's approach to um, interreligious dialogue, but... Um, they were, he was one of three Franciscans assigned to Armenia with a mission to improve the conditions of Christians there and to bring the faith to any Muslims who were open. So they started preaching in the street in Arzenga in Armenia, and they were told to stop. They kept doing it, and then the local community decided to take matters into their own hands, and they were martyred. Um, they were martyred by being beheaded. So uh, they died in 1314 at Arzinga in Armenia. Then on Wednesday, the 16th of March, we have the feast day of St. John de Brebeuf, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. He's one of the Jesuit saints of New France, which is kind of North America, kind of the Canadian-American border part of the world. Um, he's celebrated twice during the year. His, his own feast day is the 16th of March. He celebrated on the 19th of October as one of the martyrs of North America. He was a French Jesuit, tall man, uh, wasn't sure that he'd make it through the training to be ordained. He was eventually posted to the frontier of Canada at the age of 32, and he spent his time working with the, um, the native uh, um, people in that part of the world. They were, he was so tall, they were afraid to let him get into the canoe in case it would sink. Nice one to think about. Um, he worked very much with the, the Huron people and even so much uh, writing a catechism and a dictionary uh, for other missionaries. However, uh, he was martyred in 1649 and he was tortured to death by the Iroquois uh, tribes. Um, and then unfortunately in 1650, the Huron nation itself was exterminated 
and the mission that the uh, the Jesuits had worked on was abandoned. It's described as one of the triumphant failures that are commonplace in church history. And these martyrdoms created a wave of vocations and a missionary fervor in France and gave new hearts to the missionaries in New France itself. So he was born in 1593 in Normandy and he died, tortured to death in 1649. He was canonized in 1930 by Pius XI. So then we move on. Obviously, next Thursday is the 17th, feast day of St. Patrick, principal patron of Ireland. It's a solemnity for the Irish Church, which means we also get to suspend the Linton fast. Ah. Yes, that's one of the joys of, yeah, well, there is a running joke. You know what the Irish come up with St. Patrick's Day? They couldn't do 40 days without alcohol. <laughs> uh, or, cho- anyway, yes. or, or chocolate. Or chocolate, exactly. <laughs> So next next Thursday we we, we, we we christen the shamrock and we commemorate our patron saint. Well, some people will. Others will just dance up and down and make absolute idiots of themselves on the day, but that's part of the tradition at this stage as well. And of course it is the first St. Patrick's Festival since COVID started, so it's going to be a big deal. Let's hope the weather cooperates. It's absolutely wet and miserable here at the moment. Now, people have often asked me, why is it that St. Patrick's, why is it the Irish have St. Patrick's Day in the coldest time of the year? Why couldn't they have their national holiday in the summer? The reason being the 17th of March, by tradition, is the date that St. Patrick is said to have died. That is why we celebrate his feast day on the 17th of March. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's the tradition around it as well. He died in 491 uh, by tradition, although there were some that were a bit older than that. I'm not going to go through this, this the story of St. Patrick. We have a whole program dedicated to it next week. And we have a lovely reflection from Father Michal Liston that we are going to rebroadcast. The 18th of March is the feast day of St. Cyril of Jerusalem. On the, as a uh, uh, priest ordained by St. Maximus, a great teacher of catechumens, Documents and instructions are still source documents for early church teaching. He was the Bishop of Jerusalem in 348 and was ex- exiled three times by the Arians. Um, he attended the Council of Constantinople in 381, and he is regarded as one of the Greek fathers of the church, and he's also acclaimed as a doctor of the church for his writings. He died in 386 AD. And then finally, next Saturday is another solemnity. It is the feast day of St. Joseph, husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is one of the two feast days dedicated to St. Joseph's in the liturgical calendar. And it is uh, also actually the anniversary of Pope Francis's start of his, um, not reign, ministry as Pope. He was inaugurated as Pope on the, on the feast of St. Joseph 2014. So we'll say a quick prayer for the Holy Father on the feast of St. Joseph. And obviously, then, just to remind people as well, obviously, last year we celebrated the year of St. Joseph. Many people rediscovered their love for that particular saint. Um, the guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and foster father of Christ himself. So that's what we have, John, in terms of saints of the week and the liturgical odds and ends for next week. Shane, thanks a lot for that. So, okay, just a few notices that I'd just like to bring to listeners' attention. First of all, our good friends in the FCJ Spirituality House, Noreen Noreen Lynch in Spanish Point. Uh, Noreen continues with her meditation. Uh, That's at 11 a.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays for those who might be interested. Half hour, uh, joined by Zoom. You can contact Noreen at 087-477-9115. 
That's 087-477-9115 or info at fcjspiritualityhouse.ie. Um, also, Nolan has arranged for some Lenten talks online. And this Tuesday, the 15th of March at 7.30pm, Father Michael Conway will share a reflection on role models, women in church society. So that's the 15th of March, next Tuesday, 7.30pm. And the final one here from Mount St. Alphonsus, the Redemptist Church here in Limerick. They continue with their Lenten session, uh, uh, Lenten talks, after the 7.15 evening Mass each Wednesday of Lent. The preachers are Father Lawrence Gallagher, Father Derek Mesco, and Father Jerry Maloney. So that's the mission can be heard also online at novena.ie. Now it's time for a prayer space, and we're going to change it slightly from um, from our more recent prayer space initiatives, where we shared some meditations by Father Flan Lynch. So Shane came up with this brilliant idea of having um, having a litany that he found, but also having a Ukrainian Lenten hymn to finish off our our uh, part one. So, when visiting the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal in 1982, St. John Paul II made a public act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary while also praying that humanity would be spared a potential nuclear war. He composed a very specific litany to God, asking him and Our Lady of Fatima to spare the world from a disastrous global war. Immaculate Heart, help us to conquer the menace of evil, which so easily spreads the the roots in the hearts of the people of today, and whose immeasurable effects already weigh down upon our modern world and seem to block paths towards the future. So from famine and war, deliver us. From nuclear war, from incalculable destruction from every kind of war, deliver us. From sins against life of man from its very beginning, Deliver us from hatred and from demeaning the dignity of children of God. Deliver us from every kind of injustice in the life of society, both national and international. Deliver us from readiness to trample on the commandments of God. Deliver us from attempts to stifle in human hearts the very truth of God. Deliver us from the loss of awareness of God and evil. Deliver us. From sins against the Holy Spirit, deliver us. Accept, O Mother of Christ, uh, Christ, this cry laden with sufferings of all individual human beings, laden with the sufferings of, of, of whole societies. Help us with the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer all sin, individual sin, and the sin of the world in all its manifestations. Let there be revealed once more in the history of the world the infinite saving power of redemption the power of merciful love. May it put a stop to evil. May it transform consciences. May your immaculate heart, may your immaculate heart reveal for all the light of hope. I suppose that lesson is very important for us to pray today, Shane, in light of the problems that the world's experiencing at the moment with Ukraine. And it, it was a good idea um, that you picked a lovely Ukrainian hymn for us to finish up. It's a Lenten hymn, and this one is entitled The Sorrowful Mother. So let's listen to this and join us again in part two, where we'll be joined by Colin Hogan, who will share with us uh, some thoughts around the trochlear appeal for this year. So join us again in part two. Ooh. 
So welcome back again to the second part of our podcast here in sec- on Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And it's delight for us again to welcome back a good friend of ours at this stage in the programme, uh, Colm Hogan, who's the Church Outreach Officer with Trocra. Good morning to you, Colm. How are you? Good uh, morning, John, and it's good to be here again with yourself and your listeners as well. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to tell you about some of our work. Well, thank you very much indeed again for helping us out in that regard. So maybe, uh, Callum, as again, as I said, you're you're very welcome and thanks indeed for joining us. Today we'd like to maybe uh, ask you to share with us two things. One, this year's Troker Lenten Appeal. And two, maybe Troker's response to the current needs in Ukraine, which of course is on everybody's mind. But to start with, will you tell our listeners, especially those outside of Ireland, and there's a good few of those, who and what do Trocra do? Well, Trocra, John, we're the overseas development agency for the Catholic Church here in Ireland. And um, our mission is twofold. Number one, it is to, um, to inform the Irish public and educate the Irish public about the structural needs of and poverty that can cause that, that are caused in many of the countries where we're working overseas. And then Number two, obviously, is to help uh, people and our programs of work in different areas. So those areas are humanitarian and women's empowerment and countries where emergencies are needed as well. So we 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 do a lot of work. We do a lot of work um, with regards to human rights and human space and resources as well, making sure people have resources to live. I suppose a lot of things that we may take for granted ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. And, and I know it, it, it would be good for our listeners also to check out your website because that's very comprehensive in letting us know exactly what you do. I mean, the website again, ju- just advise us of the address of the website again, please, Colin. Yeah. yeah, John, the website is www.troker.org. And um, on that website, you will find a lot of... Uh, information and a lot of information about the countries where we work in but you'll also find very useful information for parish communities and for schools Mm -hmm. that they can use throughout the year so for example this year just to um let parishes people let people know in parishes that i know the country is planning to have a national day of remembrance for people who died from covid19 and who have suffered from covid19 during the month, uh, during this month of March, mm-hmm. so we actually have a prayer service for that in our book of prayers for Lent this year, and also John, we we um, have our mass talk on our website as well. So we invite priests in parishes around the country to to let parishioners know about the work we do by using that mass talk at their weekend masses in parishes during Lent as well. And then the, the our education, our education page on our website, John, is is really really good. It's um and has resources for for those beginning in um early school, early school years, primary school, and post primary and youth resources as well. So it's very good, very comprehensive. And I'd say that you know that's a pretty good idea now to have those. Uh, those, those resources on your website for young people because maybe they don't always get the opportunity um, to resource those outside of their school environment. So 
maybe you'd rely quite a bit on the school community to let the young people know of these resources. And I'd say they get involved too. Would that be fair to say? Oh, they, they do indeed, John. And it's it's great to see. And it's, it's, a, good, it's a good thing to to make people aware of too because um, our our development education team in Troker are really um, I, they're nearly entrepreneurs in the sector because we have we have a project called Game Changers okay and it, it talks about say for example it talks about conflict it talks about um, climate change in a way that they gear absolutely geared towards young people and the youth and we actually have um People will find it on our website as well, on, on our education page, uh, where young people can come together and design their own projects and be entered into a competition. Wonderful. And, um, so that's a wonderful. That's a wonderful thing to have and a wonderful challenge, say, for a group of young people to take on as a project themselves. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that'd be a good idea. Maybe, maybe sometime it would be a good idea for us maybe to try to touch base with some of those young people who are involved with those sort of projects to let us know what they're doing and also to encourage us, the so-called older generations, are we wiser? I'm not too sure, as to yeah, yeah. how we can help. Yeah, yeah, like one of, like, uh, absolutely, one of, one of the education team would, be, would, would have no problem coming on talking about the whole project. Yeah. So that would be a good thing to at have. Yeah. At some stage, we, we'll certainly pencil that one in. Yeah. So, coming back to this year's uh, Troker Lenten Appeal, it's focused on supporting impoverished people in Zimbabwe. Will you share with us about the situation in Zimbabwe in general? And then maybe about the family that featured on a Troker Box and Pack this year. I will indeed, John. So, John, the people in Zimbabwe were already facing a, a daily struggle to provide food, water and education for their families and facing droughts due to climate change. But the COVID-19 pandemic, as we all only know too well ourselves, has made this struggle even harder. Mm-hmm. So believe it, it's a, it's a, it's a sad statistic. Seven million people are living in poverty, especially women in southern Zimbabwe. And it's a, a drought-prone area which has been disproportionately affected by the long-term impacts of COVID-19. So we will ask, we're asking people to support families in Zimbabwe who are unable to grow enough food to feed themselves because of drought and climate change, now which has been made worse by the impact of COVID-19. So women, John, uh, just uh, we celebrated International Women's Day during the week. That's right. You know, people arguably were saying um, that, um, you know, like people were saying, oh, we should celebrate you know, people, women who are in power. But today... It's really a day for remembering all women. Yeah. And women in Zimbabwe, where we are working, are the primary producers of food. And they need to be protected and need to be supported in the face of sometimes harmful and violent gender-based violence, which has in- which increased a lot during COVID-19 as well. Yeah. So, John, I'll tell you about the family on our box. Yes, please. Um, yeah. This year. So we have a woman called Tanda Keeley. She's 31 years of age and her children are on the box as well. Her daughter, uh, whose name is No Matter, and her son, whose name is Forward. So they're unusual names for us. Yes. But just just to give you some context of those names, No Matter is... Um, the parents in Zimbabwe 
call their children um, positive positive names. So, they, like, they may seem strange to us, but, for example, they called the daughter no matter because they said no matter what happens is in life, we're going to make sure that she's okay. And then with forward, the young boy who's eight years of age, he said no matter what happens to us in life as well, we will be thinking of going forward all the time in spite of all the obstacles and struggles we face. So it's it's one of the customs they have in this part of Zimbabwe where they actually uh, call their children those names. So because I know we've already been asked, God, there are strange names yeah, to be having yeah. But like there's a context and a reason behind it. So sadly, Tandakili last year, as I said, she's only 31. Her husband, Donovan, died during COVID last year. And Donovan was working in South Africa at the time. So where this family lives is on the borders of South Africa. So a lot of people from that area have to go to a different country to earn money, mm. to earn a living. So sadly, while Donovan was in South Africa, he got COVID, got COVID very quickly. Tandakili told us that she was talking to him the day before. The following day, she got a phone call to say that he got really bad uh, a few hours beforehand and died within the day. So it was very sudden. And just like many people in Ireland, John went abroad many years ago and sent money home to their families from the States and mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. Australia and from England. Donovan was doing the same thing for his family. So uh, because of COVID, obviously, that really impacted them. But Tandy Keeley, John, is a very strong woman, and she's very ambitious for her children's future. And she hopes with the help of Trokra and with the help of the support from yourselves and from people all over Ireland, that she will get help to um, start off a clothes shop business for herself. Oh, lovely. Because she wants, she wants to make sure that her children get an education. You know something, I, I, I know you just mentioned that just a few seconds ago there about it was um, recently we celebrated um, International Women's Day. And I, I, on your website, I would just, um, I'd just like to quote back again what she mentions on the website. I thought it was beautiful. She says, I live for my children, and my wish is to be able to provide for all their needs. My greatest fear is to die whilst my kids are still young. I pray that the Lord keeps me so that I, I can raise them until they're old enough to take care of themselves, she says. How many people of, of our own generation in our own culture feels a need to pray that prayer? Not too many. Not too many is right, John, yes. And um, she also says, John, which is really profound for any of us, is that the Lord's Prayer gives her, gives her yes. courage, hope and strength. And like that's remarkable because um, though, though you were asking me about Troker at the beginning of our conversation. Like that's the very reason and the values why the bishops of Ireland founded Troker almost 50 years ago now. We celebrate our 50 years next year. Like they founded Troker because they wanted to give courage, hope and strength to so many people overseas and in situations like Sandy Keeley and her family as well. And like my colleagues in Zimbabwe, John, have met Tandy Keeley and, and her children. And like they, they found her like to be so human-like. Obviously, she was so upset still. Naturally, yeah. Losing her husband. Mm -hmm. And yet they found her really determined, as you say there, like to live for her children. She 
wants to make sure that her children have a bright future. So it's it's remarkable. The resilience of these people is is nothing short of remarkable, and always always amazes all of us when we meet them. You know, there's a quote there also on your website there from the young little lady, No Matter, speaking about focusing on a, a career. And she says, her favourite subjects are maths and English, but the COVID pandemic has had an influence on her future plans. I wish to be a nurse so that I can help the sick. She says with a smile as bright as the sunshine in Zimbabwe in spring. Wasn't that a lovely image to to portray with a smile as bright as the sunshine. So therefore, these, these people have an awful lot of hope too, um, Colin. Would that be right? Oh, they have. They have hope. And um, I, I think um, what, what gives them hope too is that they see, like, say, the likes of ourselves out there helping them, the local partner organisations that Trokra are well known for working with because, um, uh, well, like part of our Part of our ethos and part of our charism is that we work with the local groups out there so that they know best how to help the local people in the best way possible. So, for example, we're working with, we're part of an organization called Caritas Internationals and Caritas Bulawayo is is our partner in this particular part of Zimbabwe. And uh, Caritas Bulawayo is part of the Archdiocese of Bulawayo. And I met, well, I, I met him on, on on Zoom and I was chatting to him on two or three occasions, the Archbishop of Bulawayo. And he was really, he was really confident about, about um, the work, the the work, he was really confident in the work that he was, that Croker are doing mm. to alleviate poverty where that dice is. It's remarkable what we can do as well. So just remind us again, um, just about this particular family. How do you reckon Troca will be able to help this particular family? Well, for example, John, um, we'll be able to protect them, like protect families like Tandy Keeley yeah. from disease, right? Yeah, that's important. So we'll also be able to buy some school shoes for children like Forward and No Matter in the community. Mm-hmm. Provide them with food essentials, and then, because I said a lot of women are the producers of um, a lot of women are the producers of the farm products there, we can create support for women and children in villages like Tandakilis. So, like even creating a water borehole because access to clean water, John, is a huge challenge as well for a lot of these people, and especially when they're living in a drought-prone area because of climate change, they need access to water, needs to be clean, obviously. As we well, we're well used to water ourselves in this country, but um, there's places in Africa where they don't have access to water, and sometimes the water is not clean either. So it's just one of those big, big challenges for people. Just about... Um Again, Troker's work and so on and so forth. The response of the Irish public has been very supportive of Troker over the years. And I'm sure you could share with us maybe a few examples where our support is making a difference to people's lives. Could you share some of that with us? Maybe one or two. Yes, John. Um, for example, we we respond to a lot of humanitarian crises in countries affected, say, by natural disaster, by pandemics and conflicts. So... 
like all these armed conflicts and natural disasters, uh, as we we are well finding out in these days, they deprive people of food, clean water, education, health services, sanitation and protection. So devastating natural disasters like droughts and climate change, they're like they're they're increasing. Yeah. So thanks to your support, we're providing rapid assistance in those cases. So like providing basic needs like water and sanitation, supporting women and girls' safety and access to services in crisis. Then we're providing shelter and camps for people forced from their homes. And then in healthcare, John, because healthcare is, is something else that, that can be maybe is down the priority list when maybe someone yeah. is looking for food. Yeah. So basic healthcare, maternal healthcare, nutrition and hygiene are top of the list as well, particularly in places where COVID has been affected, making sure that people have proper hygiene facilities as well. So they all seem very simple, basic stuff, but like this is what these people need, especially in the countries where we are. And I'm sure you have many calls from people who who would need that help as well. And, and, and thanks a lot so much for all the work you're doing. Yes, indeed, yeah. What I also want to mention, uh, and we'll come back to maybe a bit more information later in a few seconds, um, Trump has also responded to the needs of those who are suffering as a result of the current crisis in Ukraine. Can you share with us how Trucker are involved in this area, please? Yes, John, another another really sad situation and um, obviously one that's unfolding in front of our eyes because we're, we're seeing it every day on our TV screens and we're listening to radio reports. And I actually have a friend of mine who's who's out on one of the border pints at the moment out there. So it's um, helping out. So it's one of those devastating, another devastating humanitarian disaster. And again, people in Ireland are responding to it with great compassion. So the most effective way from 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 Troker's side, as I mentioned before, we're part of an organization called Caritas Internationalist. So just as I said, we were working with Caritas Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. Um, we're also working with Caritas Ukraine and Caritas Poland. So we're working with them on the ground in those two countries. And what we're doing there is we're supporting Caritas Ukraine and Caritas Poland um, with with people who have managed to cross the border and who are at, maybe people who are at the border as well. So, and providing shelter and essential supplies, including food, blankets, and hygiene supplies. So, in the midst of this conflict, um, John, for ourselves here in Troker, it has heightened our awareness that not to forget the millions of other people like the, that we're in all the other countries where we work in yeah. that are not on the TV screens every day and yes. that we're not hearing about on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really highlighting to us as well that we cannot forget the millions of people in, say, for example, South Sudan, Somalia and DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Many of those people are also displaced by conflicts and some are facing famine. So it's a it's a real, real like pull of our hearts, like because it's really highlighting in an ironic way, the conflict in Ukraine is highlighting all the places we we, we are working in for years and, and coping with that as well. So like again, John, as you well know, 
and we, we're hearing about it on our TV screens every day at the moment too. The generosity of the people of Ireland is deeply appreciated. So, like, we really appreciate the support truck our people are giving to us for our Lenten appeal and for our appeal in Ukraine. <clears throat> okay, so just two things maybe just before we finish. First of all, one that's very close to my own heart there, um, the, the Troca Gifts campaign, Gifts of yes. Love, uh, because I, I find this is a very good tool myself for my grandchildren to be okay. able to, to send them something like this and make them a little bit aware of even the little thing they can do, the difference it can make. Maybe just one or two examples of these Gifts of Love you might be able to share with us, please, Colin. Yes, John, I, I'll be able to share that. And like, and it's just, it's good to make people aware too, like, because we highlight these gifts of love more so at Christmas time, Yeah. because obviously Christmas is the season for, for gifts. Um, these gifts can also be used for for birthdays or for marking different occasions, yes. like say, someone marking maybe a retirement or congratulations on, something that has happened in their life, say for a wedding or a, or a baptism or whatever. So like the gifts that we have, like say you can buy a gift of, of, um, of chickens, say for example, yeah. that, and, and just to explain to people that, that like that donation is given to us and say for, and it's sent out to the countries where we are. So say for example, in Zimbabwe, just because we're Zimbabwe is our, Lenten country this year, mm-hmm. if that, that donation could be sent in and like those chickens would actually be bought in country and given to yeah. a family like Tantachilis. Then like you can buy gifts of soap because of the hygiene um, and also emergency water, access to clean water again. Um, menstrual dignity was one of the new gifts there yes. at Christmas time. Mm. And yeah, that, that was one of the gifts that really did well in our campaign. And also water filters as well, just to make sure that people have access to clean water. Like water is such a thing, as I said, it's, we take for granted so much. And yet families where we work with don't have access to that clean water at all, you know, so. Yeah, so, and I mean, they, you know, these gifts can range from eight euros for the chicks. I know my grandkids love those anyway, right? They were up to 50 euros and 100 euros and so on and so forth. All this information, of course, can be found on the Troca website. So maybe just to finish off, Troca need our support for the wonderful work that you do. How can we help? Well, I'll tell you what, what, what people can do is they can obviously donate to our Lent appeal for our work in Zimbabwe. Um, and like that's pr- like Lent, the Lent campaign is our our largest campaign of the year. So that like all the money's raised there go to, go to where the need is most. They can use our resources on our website, as I said, for parishes and schools. Mm-hmm. And um, and if people want any guidance with that, John, um, they can contact me like at column.hogan at troker.org. So like you can you can give that email to anyone who makes inquiries about that. Okay. Um we're at this moment in time, John, with regard to with regard to Ukraine, where there is if you're familiar, there's an Irish Emergency Alliance group has formed over the last year and Trokra are part of that group with a number of other charities um and like donations to the IEA will go towards Helping Caritas Ukraine and Caritas Poland as well. 
So like they're, they're the different ways we we can we can help. And also within the troker box, John, that people will collect in their local churches over the Lenten period. I think there's a there's a really um there's a lovely Lenten calendar within yes. the troker box. Hmm. And like we have like I have what my one now up in our fridge in our kitchen hmm. and I look at the thought for each day. So say for example, like yesterday we prayed for for women all over the world, especially women in Zimbabwe. And I know today is the, I think if I can remember rightly now, um, the feast day of St. Francis of Rome, who was a great believer in um, in uh, praying for people in poverty. Mm. So like even one little thought a day is good just to remind ourselves of our of Troker's Lenten campaign as well. And like that little thought, little prayer, it's just probably ourselves thinking outside of ourselves just for that moment and, and that's very much worthwhile as well. And as much as we can do in terms of promoting and so on and so forth, we, we also have our box on top of the fridge. Excellent. And, and, uh, and a few little lights around it, just reminding people um, when they come into the house, one of the, well, one of the conditions of getting out of the house is that they put <laughs> something into the troker box. <laughs> anyway, so very far good. so good. Listen, Callum, thank you very much indeed for joining you, us John. again uh, yes, and, and uh, God bless your work well done yes and thank you for the opportunity because like without 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 your support and without the support of the people of Ireland we could not do our work and we we really appreciate that so we just want to wish God's blessing on the generosity of everyone who supports our work and your listeners thank so you thank very you. much indeed for that Callum thank you so okay. at this point in our podcast we might just finish off uh, with a beautiful piece of music by Don Moen, and this one is entitled, maybe appropriately enough, God Will Make a Way. So join us again in part three, where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel.
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, our thanks to Colm uh, Hogan for sharing that reflection with us on Troka and hopefully we'll all be able to help um, with their efforts to help those in various parts of the world, including, of course, Ukraine. But more importantly this year, I suppose, or as importantly this year, the emphasis being on that family and the people of Zimbabwe. So now we'll come to the point of the programme where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Holy Gospel for this week. And we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to us, but may our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. May we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Gospel for today, uh, the second Sunday in Lent, is taken again from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the aspect of his face was changed, and his clothes became brilliant brilliant as lightning. Suddenly, there were two men there talking with him. There were Moses 
and Elijah appearing in glory. And they were speaking of his, about his passing, which he was to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were heavy with sleep, but they kept awake and saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As these were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here, so let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. As he spoke, a cloud came and covered them with a shadow. And when they went into the cloud, the disciples were afraid. And a voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. The disciples kept silence, and at that time told no one what they'd seen. So that's the gospel for this week, Jay, and their second Sunday in Lent. A lovely gospel. So by, by custom, the first Sunday of Lent, we hear of the account of the temptation. And the second Sunday of Lent is Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, so we hear the account of the Transfiguration and the events on Mount Tabor. Um, it's a very popular gospel. A lot of ways that you could unpack it, I suppose. Generally, um, for us on the program, we've always looked at it very much from the point of view of asking, where are the Tabor moments in our daily lives? Mm. Because one of the things is, is you don't have to go up a mountain to encounter the Lord. Now, this one was very specific. The, the ascent up Tabor, uh, Jesus was going up to, to <clears throat> reflect and to pray, and he was in communion with both uh, Elijah and Moses. So that was the symbolism of the Old Testament, confirming him on his path. Because ultimately, they came down off Tabor to head towards the decline Calvary. Um, so it's very much, um, from that point of view, a confirmation of Jesus in his public ministry. And then, of course, we have the, as always, our favorite character on the podcast, Peter, who can't open his mouth except to change one foot for the other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, he's kind of going, well, 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 you're, it's great to be here. Let's keep going. And you're kind of going, oh, you kind of go, it's one of those face palm moments. You're kind of going, oh, dear God, this man not see what he's doing. You know, you kind of cringe for him like you do with one of those reality television programs where the person makes a complete and utter absolute moral of themselves. But anyway, so, you know, we've all been there. We've all had yes, those yes. moments <laughs> in life. You know, that, that happens. And for myself and John, it happens quite a bit because we are podcasters and we are radio people. And over the years, we have definitely walked ourselves into it a couple of times. Don't remind me. But, yes, but anyway, we won't, we, won't, we won't dwell too much yeah. on it. But in terms of the Gospels this week, I suppose, a couple of things is um, that whole idea of going aside to encounter God. And it's actually something uh, which Pope Francis reflects on as well in his message for Lent in terms of, you know, having space and time to allow us to encounter the divine, you know, um, being able to, I suppose, give space uh, to, to, to allow us to face the ups and downs of life. You know, we need to be able to um, recognize that, you know, their bitter disappointment at shattered dreams, you know, deep concern for the challenges ahead, discouragement at the poverty of our resources can all make us tempted to seek refuge in indifference to the suffering of others. Um, you know, 
but God is the one that gives us strength to the weary. He strengthens the powerless. And the season of Lent calls us to place our faith and our hope in the Lord, since it's only if we fix our gaze on the risen Christ will we be able to respond to the Apostles' appeal, let us never grow tired of doing good. In terms of this week's Gospel, John, I suppose for me it's always as, as trying to stay positive and trying not to get cynical in the world. Difficult thing to do. Uh, very much uh, to, 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 to stay positive. But I suppose it's asking ourselves, where have we had those moments of transfiguration? Or another way of asking the question is, could we be those moments of transfiguration for somebody else? Where we are giving them that encouragement, where we are telling them they're on the right path so that they can face the challenges that their life is going to throw at them. You know, it's, 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 have we ever had, you know, moments where we felt that closeness to God, which then carried us on to more difficult, barren, desert-like moments in our life? And it's kind of sometimes, sometimes it's good to remind ourselves of that. Um, you know, we can, I suppose when we're looking at Lent, we can look at it overly penitential, we can look at it too much as, sacrifice and penance but it's also a time for us to consider and to give thanks for those moments of encounter with the divine which carry us through the difficulties of life you know it's not that god will take away the sorrows of life it's more that he gives us the strength to carry the cross that we have in our lives um and as you know it's something for us to think about and to pray about as we reflect on this particular gospel, this Transfiguration Sunday, and to ask ourselves, I suppose, the question very much, you know, Peter said, Lord, it is wonderful to be here. You know, but we do have to come down from the mountain as well. That faithful energy um, that carries us forward to allow us to deal with the future. Shane, thanks a lot for that. I suppose just a short little uh, reflection. I got just a few, a thought or two actually that just came to my mind. A voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This line from today's gospel always is always special to myself. It always speaks to me. God the Father telling Peter, James, and John, and us, this is my son. So Jesus is the Son of God. Then the voice says, listen to him. So for me, it's very clear that God the Father wants us to listen to Jesus. The gospel message is not just for Peter, James and John, but it's for all of us. How do we listen to Jesus? We listen to Jesus as we read and reflect on the gospels. And that's why each week, we the most important part of, in fact, the reason why we even do this podcast is because we think it important that the voice of Jesus through the gospels is allowed to be heard. So maybe for the rest of Lent, maybe for the rest of our life, we can maybe make it a practice that we could take up each day. Just read a little bit of what Jesus is saying in the Gospels. So that brings us about the end of our podcast today. Thanks a lot, Shane, for, for joining me. And no next week we have um, a good friend. Next week we have, yes, if we're going back into the archives. And we have a lovely reflection from Father Michal Liston on our patron saint, Saint Patrick. 
So until then, so now we go with our final piece of music today, and this one is entitled You Are Mine, goes right from the gospel. You Are Mine, and it's sung by Mark Forrest. So for myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the week, and we'll speak to you again next week. Bye-bye now. Bye. A voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I will come to you in the silence. I will lift you from all your fear. You will hear my voice. I claim you as my choice. Be still and know I am here And do not be afraid For I am with you I have called you each by name Come and follow me And I will bring you
you It is I who've called you each by name Come and follow me And I will bring you home I love you For I am with you It is I who've called you each by name Come and follow me And I will bring you home I love you and you